Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. The award-winning crunch time. He was under some duress quickly, though, and the ball spills loose, and Richards can run, and he's got a mate, and it's Smith on the inside. He receives the hand pass gleefully because he knows there's nothing stopping him between him and the goals, and he runs through the Bulldogs second, and he's able to find Dunkley. who can go back and have a shot for goal from about 50 metres out. Now he's going to hand it off to Keith. Keith kept on coming. Good decision. Yes! And you can hear them celebrate just down in front of us. Superb with the collect. These hand pass missed the mark. Lloyd gets muscled out of it by oh, Shaw. What a oh. terrible handball. And Ed Richards was in the goal square. And he received the hand pass from the opposition player. And he saw. And he put it through. I don't know if he was colorblind or he just handballed in haste. It's a goal. He's going to come in and have the shot. The dogs will have the last laugh if you can kick truly from 20 metres out. He pokes it through, and they come from everywhere to get around Liberatore. And if they collect a few giants, oh, are it's away. on again. It's on again. The siren sounds, and the Bulldogs have registered their first victory of the season. They win the duel with their modern rivals, the Giants. There was angst. And really, the best football was played clearly from start to finish by the Western Bulldogs. We played a brand of footy that we're proud of, and um, this group isn't a group that you send out to, you know, be enforcers. They're learning to be a contested, competitive side and a team where they're proud of each other as, as teammates. And you know, after the last couple of weeks, where we've been, you know, we've gone out with every intention to to do exactly what I'm saying, and, and we haven't, or we haven't for long enough, for our, our boys to, um, to play the way we did for the duration, that's what I'm most pleased about. The Western Bulldogs right a few wrongs at the Friday night fights, re-establishing their bona fides as they take down their most bitter foe. And did the Giants get it all wrong in their premeditated aggression? He's pretty sad about the whole thing. I think he's just sick of it. It's, it continues to happen. We've got to get better. This stuff is draining, it's personal, um, it's really hurtful. Jake Lever got a five-year deal on 800 to 850,000. Um, he's probably a $500,000 player. Mitch McGovern, once again, 800 and something thousand. Has he delivered for Carlton yet? No. If we can't quarantine in our own houses when we get back and stay in a hotel for another two weeks, we need to get home after Richmond. That's our position, and, and we're pretty strong on that. We need to put a line in the sand. So, um, you know, if we can't get that through, then we need to get on. We've got a proud group and a proud club, and uh, we lowered our colours to a good side last week, but you know, I hope I'm not discrediting Geelong by saying that, but they're not that good. Uh, we were just terribly poor. Conflict spikes in this most unusual of seasons. The discontent of winter grumbles, and it's only round three. 
There's much to dissect and debate. This is crunch time for Cleanaway, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. There's a great deal to work with from the first two games of round three and plenty more of the testing material to come. Neither grand finals looks a shadow of the teams that we have come to expect. And riding wrongs in the season of boom and bust, Hawthorne and the Bulldogs have ridden that cycle neatly from week to week. This is Crunch Time with Jared Waitley, Andy Ma, and Sam Edmund in place to dissect and debate all that has taken place on the football landscape. Andy, welcome. Hello, Jared. Hello, Sam. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, the, we don't know, we haven't felt, there's no sense of rhythm. Uh, early into the restart, is there? We don't. We're trying to make sense quickly of what we're seeing one minute, and trying to have a sense of what it means to the next. But at the moment, there's no clear line between what we've already seen and what is to happen uh, in our imagination, at least. And then what we see dished up on game day is such a far cry. The first two weeks, the first two games in the third week from that we saw in the second. It's. Uh, it's a fascinating restart to the season and it's dishing up a lot of stuff for us to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's every bit as disruptive as oh. we felt it might be. And yep. it'll, I'm sure it'll defy prediction. I suspect it might defy rhythm for a long time. I think it might too. And it's very early It's very early on in the piece. And who knows, Sydney might come out here today and knock over North Melbourne. And if the script goes according to, you know, um, the, what we've already seen dished up this week, they probably will. But North Melbourne, right here, right now, feels like a happy team. They feel like a happy group that are dishing. They've got some issues off the field, and we, we understand that. But they feel like a, a united, um, happy bunch that we're seeing turn up here. And there's not a lot of happiness around at the moment. There's a lot of people upset with things and miserable and wanting to go home and all sorts of stuff. And I wonder whether... Um, getting on the front foot and getting a happy team established early might carry North Melbourne deep into a very, very strong position once we do start seeing this thing settle down in 2020. Sam Edmund was first with the news on Dyson Heppel yesterday while plenty of others were guessing and theorising. Sam just delivered it straight to a terrible setback for the Essendon captain. Welcome, Sam. Jared, Andrew, Samuel. absolute pleasure to be here. Are we on? We're on. We're on. Pleasure. I'm rusty. I haven't been to a football ground for <laughs> nigh on six months. This feels strange here at Marvel Stadium. But long may this lack of rhythm continue, Jared, because I am loving flip the script, rip it up, throw out everything we know about the game. The two grand finalists absolutely struggling. And what great storylines. I loved last night. I wish there were more rivalries like that. Authentic and a genuine dislike bordering on hatred. Oh, it's flat out hatred. There's no question about that. The premeditated nature, what's carried from conflict to conflict. It's, it's highly unusual to see it so raw. Like, neither team makes any effort to disguise it. And I actually think the Giants fell for their own bulldust last night. Oh, no doubt. See, we disagree. I like the fact that the Giants played the hunter again. It worked last time. Might as well go with it again. And you live by the sword and you die by the sword. They didn't play well last night. So people are always going to say, when you win, if they had won last night, ah, oh, look, they're in the dogs, they're in their head. Dogs can't protect their captain. They're vulnerable. They're weak. All the, the narrative that flew out of last year's elimination final. But then when you don't back up, the boast, so to speak, then it's, oh, you, you're distracted by it, you let it consume you, it was over the top. So clearly that, that didn't play well. 
But I liked the fact they went after them again. It was huff and puff, boo, yes, last night. They, they, like, Luke, it was really interesting listening, listening to Luke Beveridge talking about the personality of his team. We're not built to be that type of team. He knows who his players are. And if you had have looked at that giant side that ran out there last night, the 22 that went out there, they weren't built to be enforcers. That wasn't a team that was going to strike fear into the hearts of physically, strike fear into the hearts of opposition. Like those Bulldogs blokes, they're seeing Jason Hately and, and Ash and these young blokes coming in. They're going, give me a spell. No, we were missing what? the chief villain, weren't we? We were. Toby Green you know, wasn't yeah. there. And so Josh what? Kelly's not that player either, no. but he, he backs up. The Once boast, the so chief villain's not there, so my view on Thursday night was instead of engaging, instead of giving the Bulldogs the emotional hook, so the Bulldogs' footy has been diabolical in their two games, instead of giving them the emotional hook into the game, mm. just stone-cold ignore them. Give them absolutely no reason, and, and it was so odd, and just get to the business of trying to knock them off the park and to send Nick Haynes to the toss. So tell me, how many times uh, do you seek vengeance? Vengeance in this life or the next. <laughs> so seeking the vengeance in the elimination final wasn't enough. They're seeking it again in round three. Now, speaking to a few people, I've, led, I've told Jared that the Giants didn't decide to do this until they were out on the ground. Now, read that however you will, but the players got together in a huddle and Stephen Cornelio thought, Nick, we're sending you in to do the coin toss. Now, speak to people at the Western Bulldogs. Marcus Pontempelli completely bemused by the chain of events. Not a word was spoken between the pair. Nick Haynes said nothing other than trying to eyeball him half a dozen times while they were out there trying to make eye contact. And then what sort of effect did it have on Marcus? Probably yeah. none whatsoever. You, you know who, when you watch, you see all of that play out and you see the, the intent signal right from before the toss of the coin by the Giants, there was one player on the ground who I reckon whose response to it was the best of anybody's. And he was close to the most influential player on the ground last night. And it reminds you just how important Tom Liberatore can be to this Western Bulldogs. So he just was bulletproof. He had this bemused yep. look on his face. He wasn't the slightest bit ruffled by anything that the Giants were dishing up. He knew the tone that he had to carry through the nonsense. And then he just put his nose over the footy, hardly fumbled the cot all night long. Every time he got it, made a great decision. Kicked that goal when he had to kick it. Everything Liberatore did was, was a, a magnificent, calming influence on his Western Bulldog teammates. I thought in the middle of all of the... It was great fun. It was great fun to watch. But in the middle of all the nonsense, Liberatore just reminded everybody, well, certainly me, reminded me last night just how important he is to this football team. That shot on the shadows of three-quarter time, he actually put the ball down to get involved in the blue and then thought, oh, that's right, I've got a shot, I'll pick the ball back up. He was that desperate to get involved. He was whacking Matt DeBoer all night long. <laughs> oh, great. 50 metres off the ball. Anytime he saw Matt DeBoer, yep. he was into him. Yep. One thing I, that I didn't like about the night, Jared, from the Giants was own it until the end. So, Leon Cameron, own it until the end. Don't pass it off as some sort of leadership delegation. Own it until the end. It's, it's how obvious was it? Mm. Don't try to pass it off as something that... And he said, oh, I've got more things to worry about than the coin toss. That is true. But if that was actually the case, then you wouldn't have done it in the first place, would mm. you? Yes, as with the laid out of Kelly and then the injury to Whitfield. So, this was Leon Cameron in the post-match. I think the aggression's there, but, um, again, you've got to make sure that... Um, you're, you're doing it in the right way. I mean, it was minus 10 free kick count again. Um, and um, you're handing the ball back to the opposition 10 times. You're giving them free, 10 free hits. And, uh, you know, that's, we've got to be better at that, you know. So in terms of... That means we're second to the footy. Um, 
you know, we need to make sure that, um, you know, we're hunting after uh, the opposition to get the ball back a bit better and uh, we need to hunt the ball a little bit better ourselves. So we understand that our, you know, entire group haven't returned to the level that we want to. Um, but um, what I was pleased about was our back seven tonight. I thought they really, you know, fought the fight. I mean, 42 inside 50s to keep a side eight goals. I thought they really... You know, found themselves um, back into some form, and uh, now we're back seven, and now we've got to get our midfield up, and we've got to get our forward line back to form. And it's not as easy as just clicking your fingers. We all know that, but um, um, some disappointing stuff tonight. But um, you know, I was wrapped with our back seven. It's just no semblance of the way that they like to no. play their footy. The dogs denied them the corridor, and they spent the whole night crisscrossing the ground. And, look, some numbers are easy to find to suit a narrative that you want to, you know, the, of the picture you want to paint of a particular game. But listening to Leon Cameron then and the first half of that in particular, uh, they were out-tackled 55 to 39 last night. Now, I know tackles are... Th th some of these simple stats are very... Well, they are simple in, in, in the number, but they didn't hit the Western Bulldogs hard when it actually mattered, when the, the way they had to last night. But they had once they got behind in that on the scoreboard last night, they had to up their attack on the man and they, and it wasn't there it was okay it's all right push and shove rip a jumper knock a bloke over all the rest of it but the way they applied themselves when the football was in motion last night was not good I, I didn't think and he can say all he likes about the back seven and we know they had some high quality players out of the side we we know and we know they can chuck in a shocker every now and again. They can have a pick in racing parlance. They can be one 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 zero pretty easily. That's been their history, isn't it? The Giants. They can, they can miss a step every now and again. So, um, but no, they 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 looked. A, gee, they were a far far cry from the team that you know played so well through September last year. That was miserable. That free kick count. So twenty six sixteen last night, Jared. Twenty two ten the week prior. So they're clearly reactionary. They're second to the balls. Leon says, and then with the ball, how slow were they with oh. the ball? That wasn't the Giants that I recall from last year, and we haven't seen it yet this year. That ballistic movement. They're the high. They're the Ferrari. They're like the Datsun at the moment. Yeah, so the difference between round one and then what's happened in the aftermath is they looked like the team most suited to the shortest form of the game. Is they, they can do the most damage in the least amount of time. And they did it in the first game against Geelong. They did it in the first seven minutes of each of the four quarters. Yeah. And they, they would, the, that was the most compelling. Well, who's going to suit? You go, oh, blimey, it's going to suit the Giants and they, they've been denied that two weeks running so both I think both grand finalists are in the same position they are being denied the way that they like to play the kick to advantage back into the corridor was not on at all last night because of the way the Bulldogs set up and Richmond are being denied the go-ahead football that they like to play at all costs so they're being asked questions well have you got a different mode or are you going to work your way through it and and they're both stalled on the grid at the start Lowest halftime score since their inaugural season. Mm. Probably says everything. They can't find anything forward of the footy. I mean, Himmelberg uh, got a couple late last week, but he was he was a non-event for two and a half quarters. Cameron hardly touched it last night. Finlayson bobs up here and there, but he doesn't do enough. The kid Perryman's, you know, he's he's carrying a load that nobody, the football club, expects him to carry, and they shouldn't need him to carry. They've got enough artillery ahead of the football to be a good team, but they, again, they were pulverised last night inside 50, going to the small, the slow ball movement and that ballistic nature that we haven't seen from them. So maybe the forwards have got some excuses just at the minute, but as I said before, they, they just they just don't. There's there's nothing familiar about them, as is with Richmond. The last two weeks, there's been nothing familiar 
with Richmond from the side that we've seen sort of establish its pattern in the last couple of years. There's been enough, very little recognisable about them in the last fortnight of footy. Marcus Bontempelli was the centrepiece of a lot that happened at the end of the home and away last season in the elimination final and certainly last night as he was on Channel 7 in the post-match. Oh, I think just probably consistent effort across the board. I thought last week we had a good sort of start. First quarter, couldn't capitalise. We got hurt on turnovers and it was still a little bit like that. Tonight felt like just we missed our open teammates at time and hurt us back going the other way. But can't fault the intensity and the effort inside the contest. Um, it helped us kick a few goals in the last. So what is it then as a player? I mean, last week that, that side of your game wasn't there. What changes week to week to, to, to turn it around like you did tonight? Oh, two losses in a row will do that. We, we haven't played our best footy really at all other than that first quarter this last two weeks. Um, Lima back in. Zane Cordy, Toby McLean, players um, who obviously came in and contributed tonight. Uh, just felt like we were a bit more connected tonight, which definitely helps. What about your own prep throughout the week? Like mentally, when you know a team's going to come at you and you're going to have a tag like tonight, how do you prepare for that? Yeah, I guess I wasn't surprised. Obviously, it happened late last year in that final. Um, it's always tough. I think, you know, Matty Dubois is a good operator. You probably know you're not going to have the influence you normally do, ball in hand, but I was just doing my best for a block, help our teammates get out. Um, and just commit to, to trying to be a good team player tonight and um, hopefully it helped. We obviously won, so it um, seems like we all dipped in tonight. We were impressed by Bailey Smith. You must be as well. Yeah, he's a talented young young fellow. He gives our, our outfit a lot of spice and a bit of flair and does the, the hard stuff inside really well too. So um, we love having him, love playing with him. Sort of the night that might be the making of him as a captain mm. as he walks his way into that. It, it was good to see, wasn't it? He didn't... He didn't look like he was going to try and get outside himself to cope with it. He knew what was coming. He knew the ball got on him straight away. He knew that he was getting pushed like from 360 degrees around. He knew that every time he was anywhere near the footy, at a stoppage in particular, uh, he was going to get multiple points of contact from a giant. He didn't look like he tried to do anything that he isn't capable of doing, Glenn and Pally, which I think is a sign of real maturity. And as a captain, that must be incredibly hard because you want to get your hand on the ball. You want to have your 30, 35 possessions mm. as a captain, but when you're being worn as tightly as he knew he was about to be, you've got to sit back and say, OK, it's it'll the come. greater good, and yep. it'll come. Yep. Let yep. it come to you. Yeah. Which is, and the Giants just... The intensity around the dogs noticeably different last night. The Giants, three straight weeks now, they've lost contested ball. So they really have to find something back at the coalface. That's been a key theme so far this year for them. And there we talk about their history. And the challenge of this season is 16 straight weeks and then four weeks of final. So there's no reprieve. And their history of, of being able to go the distance. Um, and last night, Green, Kelly, and they lose Whitfield inside the mm. game. And, and suddenly they're not... They're just not the team without their their elite players. That, yeah, I think that's a really fair call. I mean, they're, they're as vulnerable as anybody, and you know, despite the you know the, the enormous talent that was you know sort of forced into the squad when it and the way they've been able to turn the list over and keep bringing talent in, all the things that we we know about the way they've kind of managed them their way through their evolution in in the competition. But they lose two or three, and they're as vulnerable as anybody else in the competition. At the risk of enraging Andy, Jared, I want to ask him, because the Giants lost Lockie Whitfield, do the Dogs now have to lose Aaron North? No, it's this... Look, I don't know how much... How deeply you want to go into this, but... Yeah, well, let's get into it. Well, it's... There, there's... There, there, we've, we've said it a long time, haven't we? There is no way you can legislate safety into footy. We want to make sure that the intentional... Um, violent, um, you know, outlaw activity is banished from football. We, th and we've come a long way. We've come a long way in the game to seeing that. 
But what Aaron Norton did last night, it was just a pure football action. There was nothing, in my way of viewing that, and I know a bloke's got injured, but we can't legislate safety into the game. Every now and again, a player, Lockie Whitfield, is going to be asked to put his head in the hole like he did last night and um, get it slightly wrong, which he did last night. And what Aaron Norton did last night was absolutely perfect. Straight line the footy, didn't take his eyes off it, didn't run past it, didn't go out of his way to make contact. It was an accident. It was a pure football accident. It's unlucky for Whitfield. I know you understand the writing of legislation and the MRO way better than I do, Jared. Um, and I... But, but if, if Aaron Norton cops anything for that, I'll be, I'll be Go ver, very disappointed. No, 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 no I'm not going give to give you a Louis Richards. <laughs> Go on. You know? You're oh, going to eat look, your oh, naked backwards now. I'm not going to give any of that. But, but I'll just be real. I'll be disappointed if, if Norton's got a case to win. There's a little bit of skip-stepping going on in the way the system works. People are going to medical reports and so on. The first... Question is, is it a reportable offence? Mm. And the answer is unquestionably no. Mm. And that's actually the end of the discussion. It wasn't a reportable offence. No realistic alternative, I think, is the phrase that also comes to mind, which is what Andy's alluding to. And Nathan Burke, formerly of the MRP, of course, last night on Twitter tweeted this, guys. Didn't deviate from the line of the ball. Didn't have another way of attacking the ball. Wasn't unreasonable. Whitfield has to learn to protect himself. Mm. We're not at the stage of asking players to pull out of a contest yet. And I think that's the thing with Lockie Whitfield is he just left his head hanging over the train tracks, didn't he, to Spot a degree? On. He needed to full body line it or get out of the way and he wasn't going to do the ladder, but he just left his head hanging in the hole and it got taken off. Yep. So are you expecting, in answer to you, you've painted the picture the way you just have, Jared. Are you expecting that to be the way that match review Absol offers? I would be stunned yep. if you could come up with a way that that was a reportable yep. offence. That'd be shocking, wouldn't yep. it? Yep. It would be yeah. shocking. Do we feel like there's a sense for it in some quarters? No, no. I, I think I think there's a fundamental lack of understanding of how the system works, which colours a lot of the country. And then you say, concussion, right, oh, we've got one here. Yeah. No, no. that very first question is, is it a reportable offence? Yeah. And at the answer, it's not only no, it's absolutely not. Had an eventful night, didn't he, Aaron Norton? He went through three jumpers by yeah, the end. He, yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he did. had to wear the number 40 by the final siren. Uh, look, we saw a bit more of him, didn't we? There was a bit, there were some familiar signs. We know he's yep. had, you know, issues with, with, his, with his body. We saw some familiar signs from Tim English, who's had as rough a start to 2020 as any player in the competition. He's been f absolutely thoroughly taken to the cleaners in his first two games this season. But the way he got back last night, and I thought some of his tap work was much better last night. And we, look, I don't know what, I, we need to ask Luke Beveridge what the question, what, why Toby McLean hasn't been playing. But it took us about five minutes to realise what the hell has this bloke not been in there 22 for? He was great. Well, we asked him during the week and he said there was a long time between round one and round two. And a lot of training form has come and gone in that time and that was a decision they made. But, gee, didn't the dog supporters and those connected with the club um, put some big question marks up around Toby McLean when he wasn't picked last week? And, oh, boy, he was magnificent yeah. last night. Oh, he was good. He was really good. No, there's a lot of... Look, they'll walk away from that. That was a win they just had to have. Yeah. You know, early in the, that, they go zipping three. We all understand, but but for for just their morale and for you know, Luke Beveridge, I think he really needed that win last night. Um, I, I just I, that was a it was a it was a stake in the ground moment for them. What it means next, I don't even know who they play next week, but what it means next week, who knows? They've got Sydney on Thursday night at okay. the SCG. Okay, well, 
Well, well who, know, who knows, right? Yeah, I, no, that it gives the expectation is if the Bulldogs are the team that they want to be, I, I think you, you're going to Sydney and beating the Swans. You, you would think so. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. The, the word that Beveridges had used in the lead-up was re-establish. They did re-establish their brand last night. Yeah. Now, they're not the perfect team. As I reckon you can sort of sit here and go, oh, there's a bit of a hole there, and that's a bit makeshift. But they played they played their NASCAR 40 crash and bash carnage and run. Yep. Um, and that's... You know, for the first two weeks of the season, the most unwarranted hype in football was the hype sitting with the Bulldogs. But now they've re-established themselves and they can plot to become the team they expected to be. Well, well we, we've already spoken about the key and, you know, talented outs that existed last night, particularly when Whitfield fell for the Giants. But the, Lockie Hunter, who had an interesting, you know, 24 hours... He played for North Melbourne yesterday. extraordinary. <laughs> and they wouldn't kick it to him. Like the North Melbourne likes weren't kicking it to him. So Under 10 style. At least he got a run around. But he, he is... He is as important to the makeup of and the function of the Western Bulldogs as I'm not saying he's as good. You can argue if you want, but he's as important to the Western Bulldogs as Lockie Whitfield is to the Giants. He's a magnificent link player. He's a lovely user. He takes pressure off Bonapelli and McRae. He makes the, the knock-on effect of Hunt, and he's in their best six players. He's a very, very important player for this team. So they're operating without him at the moment. Um, they got enough ticks and returns to form and returns to the team um, from, you know, that we saw last night. In a couple of weeks, they bring Hunter back into the side and, well, that's another piece of the puzzle that fits. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think that we, we might start to see a bit more of the Bulldogs that we expected to see now that they can just start to get into their season off, off that last night. I guess the, the lingering question is Josh Bruce hasn't fired a shot yet up front. He's only three games into his new system. You're you, You'd like to see just a fraction more, but the win last night buys them a little bit of time to sort that out. What's going on with the big forwards? The big forwards early this year. Cameron, Jeremy Cameron uh, has had a really quiet start to the year, and that's probably been kind by his standards, isn't he? The Coleman medalist. And uh, Aaron Norton showed some signs last night, I thought, and that we did ask Luke Beveridge, was he tempted to maybe move him up the ground, maybe even move him back to defence during the week just to try and find some touch. But he, mm. no, he's resolute. He's staying exactly where he is. We like the structure with Josh Bruce, who was playing another former side last night as well. So there's two ex-sides straight off the resumption. Jason Johannesson's going to join us in a moment's time. Then we'll cast our eye back to Thursday night. What are the questions that sit there for Richmond? So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Both grand finalists, not a shadow of what we would anticipate, is how serious are the Christians given they lost their first game in more than a year. And it was, it's been a pretty sharp conversation in the aftermath. This is crunch time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. The Western Bulldogs, 24-point winners over the Giants on a spiteful night, the Friday of uh, round three. It gave plenty. It gave the Bulldogs exactly what they wanted. On crunch time for Stockdale and Lego, we see more than property. Jared Waitley, Andy Marr and Sam Edmonds with you. Jason Johannesson is with us. Jason, congratulations and welcome. Good afternoon, fellas. Thanks for having me. Was it good for the soul last night? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, because we've worked so hard, you know, over the last um, couple of months and um, it's just good to get some reward for, for hard work. And, um, yeah, it was great to get the four points last night. 
Did you, so when you know you're coming up against the Giants and what unfolded, is it, is it strap the battle armour on as you, you leave the rooms and, and brace for what's to come? Yeah, pretty much. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a game that has a lot of feelings. We have such um, great recent battles and, um, you know, I think it's great for the fans to, to have like such a healthy rivalry in the AFL and, um, yeah, we always look forward to playing them. Jason, Andy, Mark, congratulations last night, mate. It was a really important win for your footy club and uh, well played yourself. How, how, it's never about one, one player, obviously, but what was the focus amongst the group to, to get around Bon and Pally last night, knowing you know, the suspicion was that the Giants were going to come at him pretty hard? You know, it was just, you know, look, to, to, to take care of him. Um, you know, we know they were going to come after him, so we just had to do whatever we could to, to help um, help him out. And um, But the best thing about us, we, you know, we played some hard footy and um, we played played with um, a lot of discipline and, um, you know, we helped him out, but um, we also focused on the football. No doubt about that. And one player, we've sort of already sort of briefly mentioned him in the uh, moments we were having a chat before you came on, Tom Liberatore, just... He seems right at home, very comfortable in a game when, when a lot of that extracurricular stuff's taking place. Um, how important is he to, to your group when you are playing your best footy? Yeah, he's uh, a bit like a barometer for us. Um, you know, he loves he loves a scrap and fight, and um, that's his strength in, in tight in the phone box, and he, gives it, he gets the ball and then gives it to the users on, out in space. So he's important to the way we want to play because... Uh, you know, he's a contested ball beast and, yeah, he loves getting under people's skin and um, I think he just gets up on that. Jason, it's Sam Edmund here. Well done again last night. I'm keen to know, in the aftermath, what did you and your teammates really think of GWS sending Nick Haynes in to toss the coin uh, opposed to your captain last night? Oh, I, I didn't even realise. Um, I've, I've read some things this morning, but, yeah, I, I yeah completely didn't realise because obviously you're focusing on oh, what you want to do in the first quarter and um, yeah, uh, yeah, it is a bit bizarre but uh, like, whatever, I guess. <laughs> it's a bit of whatever about that sort of stuff. And you yourself, Jason, obviously last week when Jaron Geary went to you with some success from a St Kilda perspective, I think a lot of our minds went back to the learning curve that you undertook in 2017 when you got a, a lot of attention on a week by week basis. That didn't come last night. Again, it's nothing you haven't lived through before but how did you approach this weekend and and your own individual form oh it's just i have the same mindset um every week and um that's you know defend as best i can and then and look to take the game on but um you know if they send a player to me it's it's just trying to do the best thing for the team if it's trying to go to maybe caleb daniels man to free him up a bit and hopefully he can have an impact on the game or, or sufferings man or something like that it's um whatever happens i'm just you know trying to do what's best for the team and um, you know, stay and have some sort of impact like that. How significant a learning is that for you, Jason? I mean, you're such a free-spirited, you know, free-running creator. We we know the way you play your footy, and we've you know we've we've delighted in it. But when that start, when that when that you know one-on-one kind of pressure and focus started coming on you, ha, ha, did you get through that yourself? What, what sort of learnings were you helped with from other people around the footy club? Yeah, no, it was definitely difficult. Um, you know, I had a lot, uh, had a lot of chats with different people. Um, Bob Murphy, um, Rowan Smith, and and even Bedbo himself. Um, 
you know, it's just looking at ways where we can, um, you know, utilize my strengths and, and not get, um, you know, dictated to, I guess. And if that's playing different positions, maybe going up forward for a bit, playing on the wing for a little bit and, um, you know, also looking to, to, to you know, free up a, a, a teammate. Um, so there's a little um, little learnings that I, I've come across along the way. And, um, yeah, as I said before, it's just trying to get what's best for the team. And, you know, I'm just one player in the cog, so they can't be too um, worried about what I'm doing. But, um, you know, we just have to move forward like that. And just last one on that. Was there a bit of that with you last night? I, I don't spend a lot of time looking at possession, possession heat maps, Jared. It's not something that I... <laughs> you got I the t- heat map out. I, I don't tend to look at much of this, but I was having a look at your stats from last night on the on the AFL app, Jason, and a lot of your ball was through the, you know, the, the kind of the old traditional centre line last night, not as much kind of deep and rebounding outside defensive 50. Did, did, was that was that accidental or did you, did you decide or was there a decision to kind of push you sort of a bit higher up the ground last night? No, that's just off the back of um, Gita versus um, high forwards. They like to send a couple numbers up around the ball and um, try and generate um, the ball movement from there. So it was forcing us as high defenders to, to sort of go up high, um, high up in the ground. So, yeah, it's sort of you've got to be relevant to what your, your opponent's doing. And, um, yeah, so that was that's what happened last night. Jason, how did Bevo turn it around during the week? Obviously, the first couple of rounds have been really disappointing from the brand we know that the Dogs play and have made their trademark. You really recaptured it last night, that intensity at the coalface. How does a coach and a coaching group seek to re-establish that in the space of a week? The way, you know, obviously the first two rounds were frustrating and we were sort of playing like we were frustrated and not moving on to the next contest and having that mindset to, to, you know, keep staying in the moment. I think he, he simplified it a lot. Um, and um, he just narrowed our focus on the intensity and, and, and the pressure. Our pressure last night was unbelievable, um, especially as a defender. It just helps us set up, um, and we can play the footy in our half. And um, I thought the pressure from the mids and the forwards was unbelievable. And, you know, it's just the, the, the fundamentals, basically. And um, if we do that well, we, we can... And, you know, obviously we missed a, a lot of opportunities with the foot with the football um, going towards goal, but as long as our intensity and our pressure is up, you know, we give ourselves a good chance of winning. But I know you don't pick the team, so if you haven't got an answer to this question, I'll, I'll give you the out. But Toby, there's a lot of people have been wondering about Toby McLean, and he seems to be... Um, it seems to be quite... They're asking, you know, tougher questions of him to get him into the 22, and a lot of doggy fans want him in the side. Is there... Have you noticed something about... Um, what they're asking of McLean for him to hit to get inside that 22 specifically? I think uh, we want Toby just to, you know, play with a lot of freedom and, um, you know, he plays predominantly in the forward line. So we, we want him to be more creative with the football. Um, obviously, last night he had a, had a bit of a job on Whitfield, but obviously Whitfield got injured and he, he ended up playing in the back line and he looked pretty comfortable with it back there and, um, I think what's good about Toby is just a great competitor, but I think we just want him, his confidence when he's got the ball to take it on. Jason, you got a beauty there in the flying mullet, Bailey Smith. He's a ripper. Oh, he's a beast. Um, <laughs> he's just an animal. He's ferocious at the ball. He's, he's powerful. He's got speed. And, um, you know, he's been a terrific pickup for us. And only in his second year, he's sort of leading the front in the midfield there. And, um, yeah, I'm just happy he's on my side. He declared after the game, Jared, that he cuts his own hair. Bailey said, "Jason, do you, hey, do, how you can tell? Yeah, do you do you cut your own hair, Jason, or have you got a pro who looks after yours?" 
day, yeah, I got I got my own hairdresser. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to um, manage to cut my own hair. It would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other one, I don't know when Tim English is going to do anything radical with his hair. It looks like he's probably going to have the same old-fashioned conservative hairstyle for his whole career. And uh, may oh. that be the case. But Brian Lake called him a Kendall last a night. A Kendall, did Kendall. he? Well, there, there you go. go. He's had two tough weeks to start the season. We know that. He's come up against a couple of good ones, um, Jason. I don't know whether yep. you got a sense from the young fella. He's only early in his career. Did you get a sense for um, his levels of confidence going into the game last night? And, and what, did, what did you make of, of English's performance? Yeah, he, he's, he's a proud player. Um, you know, he obviously was disappointed in how he performed the last first two rounds. But, you know, he's always looking to improve. And uh, as you can see last night, he's, he's always growing. And um, I think his ruck work is the biggest improvement that he, he wants to work on. But, but around the ground and he's, the way he moves across the ground is unbelievable for a big man. And he's got good skills. And um, he's going to keep playing to his strengths. Like, he's an extra midfielder when he's in there. But, yeah, he's obviously um, keen on working with Stephen King and, and trying to develop that um, strong ruck work. And um, But, yeah, he's just he's a great player. He's going to be a great player. He's a great player. Um, he's just developing and growing. Jason, we were talking at the top about the the unpredictable and the unsettled nature of this season out of necessity. Do you feel like you'll find a groove or do you feel like you'll just have to get comfortable outside of the normal groove of a footy season? No, I think players players adapt pretty well. Um, it's obviously, it sucks not playing in front of crowds and you love playing in front of your faithful, but um, I think players have adapted. Um, you know, it's just great being able to play footy again and um, yeah, no, we just—it's—it's it's business as usual. Did did that take a little while to establish? Um, I don't personally. I don't think so. Um, you know, once once we knew what we were in for, I think um, we were able to you know move on and 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 focus on what we need to. Jason, great to have you with us, mm. and good luck for all that's to come. Thank you. Good on, Jason. Jason Johannesson with on Crunch Time. One thing from last night's game, and I'm not, a, again, I've already looked at the heat map and that's something I don't normally do, and I'm not a massive looker at uh, ratings numbers and all the rest of it, but I did happen to see something on my Twitter feed this morning. Sydney numbers last night, Giants going back into the market. Only 42,000 people watched that game in Sydney last night on seven. Now, I don't know what the Fox numbers were like, so I haven't seen those yet. But that, to me, would look to be a concerning number. I don't know whether... It, it feels like you know, across the spectrum, the footy spectrum, that Sydney's um, TV numbers, just, I don't know whether the AFL think they're good. I, I haven't ever really spot, but I looked at that 42,000 last night. And we're supposed to be in this honeymoon period for TV and, and TV numbers with footy. We can't get to the games. We've got an appetite for it. Can't wait to sit down and watch it. We've missed it for 12 weeks. This how good this, how great's it going to be? 42,000 seems a pretty poor number to me. I don't know whether either of you two are students of these sorts of figures, but that that struck me as being pretty low. Well, I guess in the old Channel 10 days, Iron Chef would knock off well, the, that's a good point. the Sydney footy on a Saturday yeah, night. Don't knock they? the Iron Chef. Um, no, no, I'm not knocking it at no, all, but that boy. gives you a reasonable sliding scale. So that 982,000 nationally last night, of which 231,000 are on Fox. Both Thursday nights about rated the Friday nights. Um but it, it is interesting. The market penetration in Sydney has never been there. No, no. So I, I was, I left last night. So I think the TV experience of last night was a little bit different to the ground experience. And that you can't get around the fact you're calling to no one. Just, mm. just tell me your impression. Was last night a good? Was was it a, 
a good game of footy? No. No, I didn't think it was a good game okay. of footy. No. It was more the theatre. All the theatre yeah. and the interaction. And it, so that's what was absorbed. So the yeah. battle was absorbing rather than the footy. I'd say that. Yeah, I would yeah. too. And there was a bit of... I, I, there was a, uh, you can enthuse a little bit about what the Western Bulldogs did. But, no, it wasn't a great game. The real top-shelf games, you just get the feeling they're going to be few and far between, at least in the short term, don't you? You can't underestimate the fact that they're hardly training together. There's no synergy between backs and forwards. They can only they only have a certain amount of contact sessions a week. They're coming back after a long layoff. There's going to be some pretty ordinary games, I think, in the near future. But last night certainly wasn't a fantastic one, but it had all the narrative. It had the theatre around it, which was great. Mm. The Swans are warming down, uh, warming up in front of us. The Giants are marking their time in Melbourne. They've travelled this weekend together, and no doubt they have their luggage packed in their Samsonite business bag. Work from anywhere with Samsonite's business bag. We've got a lot of topics in the crunch. Is how real are the issues for Richmond? So what was the motivation of Clarkson's little dig at Geelong? West Coast want out of the hub. They're setting their own timing now. They've laid it down to the AFL. Adelaide and the week they've had publicly with Mark Rusciuto, the injury to Dyson Heppel, the dropping of Nathan Jones. When will crowds be back at the footy. That is all ahead of us on Crunch Time. A shout out to the lads at Tyre Power. Go and see Brett and Harold at Bulleen Tyre Power to Manningham Road. And right now, buy three, get one free on selected Falcon tyres. You're listening to Crunch Time for McCafe's Barista Made Coffee. Win free coffee for a year at McCafe. The award winning Crunch Time. Yeah, it was an unrichman like game, especially the first half in particular. We just. And I just spoke to the playing group then and, and we spoke about the things that we, we weren't doing that we should be doing. Um, you know, it's easy to sit there and look at the game and got the answers, but we've just got to execute the things that we're, we're trying to implement on the day. Um, yeah, so it's disappointing. There are a lot of things that we're not executing are in our control. You know, the opposition's the opposition, but we still pride ourselves on the way we play and we're just not, not doing it. Um, you know, and that's on me as a coach and the, and the players stepping up and, and performing what we're designed to do. And at the moment, we're well short of that. Um, do we want to be playing our best footy now? No. Do we need to play a hell of a lot better? Absolutely. We're well off it at the moment. Damien Hardwick after Richmond's first loss in more than a year. It raised a good <laughs> few questions, but that's the context of it. They've kicked five goals in each of the first two rounds back. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. So are the issues for Richmond real and lasting? It's a very good question. They're real, but are they lasting? Yeah. I, think, I think that's how you break it down. Five goals in each of the last two games. I had to go back. Jack Rewalt goalless for the second week in a row. When was the last time that happened? 2008 was the last time he went goalless for two consecutive weeks. 2008, 12 years ago. So you wonder with them. You just wonder. And this is what I'm wondering. And it, and it could all be blown to the shies in the next fortnight if they just come out and, you know, put their best foot forward. But they've had all the success they've had. There's an element of, you know, we're, 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 can, this is an odd season. This is, this is an outlier. It's an unusual season. We can't quite crank ourselves back up as a group. We'll, we'll do it next year. We, we, not that they're thinking that. I'm not saying... But subconsciously, I wonder whether a couple of other clubs have just been able to conjure and create internally the, the impetus um, and enthusiasm for the challenge in these unusual, no crowds, not as, the focus doesn't feel as great. I wonder whether Richmond is, is subconsciously prepared to go, 
Ah, oh, look, you know, we, this isn't, it's not a real and proper season. It doesn't feel like we're locking into a real football season. Yeah, they, they, and I mean, a couple might just pinch, pinch a break on it. Yeah, they, before they they're not that. up for it at the moment. It feels like that. So, listen, being at the ground is a totally different experience to the television at the moment um, because the television is sort of warming an atmosphere that's not there. So having been at their two games, and I, I explored this last night, is there's an off-Broadway element to Richmond at the moment that they are grappling with and they haven't solved it but they are a big occasion team who feasts on the environment and there's mm. no atmosphere to be had now if you think back we had Jack Revolt on when footy had been called off after round one and his observation was in all the uncertainty about the game with no crowd I hope I never have to play in that environment again yeah, right. and then suddenly it's their reality mm. they'll figure it out but there's nothing there for them at the moment. So they walk into games lacking all the elements of, of their trademarks. That There's no intensity. There's no unity. There's no arousal. Yep. You know, what the hell? There's nobody here. And it feels like they'll figure it out, I think. But I, I reckon that plays a real role. And then they've hit two great coaches with excellent tactics who've served something up to them that they're going to have to work their way through mechanically is... They're a go-ahead team, and they've been forced to go backwards repeatedly, repeatedly. That There's been a wall set up by Collingwood, and it was the same tactic used by Hawthorne with the slight variation. The visual on the way they played, there has been none of the... None. None of the just bowl it forward, none. a tap here, a knock Gone. on there, a kick. Yep. They'll figure it out, but that's the challenge. So I think there's the two elements. There's the intangible, and I reckon it's very real and then there's the mechanics and they're finally being served up something different mm. it's a good point and do the empty stands affect a side like richmond more than anyone because they've reached the highest of mm. highs they've yep. been to the top of the mountain twice in the last three years so if it's going to affect any club it's probably going to be them isn't it i, that, I feel that and, and you say they'll figure it out jared and you're right they will but this is a game at the margins you know that 95 percent isn't good enough against 100% if it's coming from the other mob. And they might not figure it out fully. They might get to the end of this year and go, you know what, we never quite found our range. We, we, we improved and we worked into the season and, you know, we crept into the... Whatever, however it plays out. But if it doesn't come to pass for them this year the way they want it to, the way they think they want it to, they might just get to the end of the year and go, we just, you know, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves... We just never found it. We never found the way to stimulate ourselves internally the way St Kilda did or the way North Melbourne did or the way Port Adelaide did. You know, there, there might just be... A, who haven't been to the mountain and they've convinced themselves... North Melbourne... Port, they've convinced themselves that this is one that, that is pinchable. We can pinch it this year. Yep. And it's, it's, we win the Premiership of 2020. It's in the history books. Never to be taken away. And I, I wonder, that's the stuff that we just don't know, um, just how significant that's going to be between now and the end of it all. Do you want to run a theory, Sam? Well, in the football sense, they were sliced by Hawthorne, weren't they? Like, on the outside, they were absolutely murdered. So I go back to, and all sides evolve. Richmond have evolved like everyone. You've got to evolve. But when you get, McIntosh can't get a game at the moment, and there was a selfless winger. Played his role, hard work ethic up and back. Brandon Ellis... The same. Not world beaters, but they knew the system. Dan Butler knew the system. 
Damien Hardwick's having to go with guys on the outside that he can trust because the alternative isn't working. So you look at Jack Graham. The club's crawling all over themselves to get Jack Graham. They're having to play him out of position on a wing. Kane Lambert is being asked to play a wing. You just wonder, can the likes of Marlon Pickett, as brilliant as he has been, follow structure? It looked as though they were getting sucked into the play against Hawthorne and getting burnt on the outside. That adherence to structure. So Isaac Smith has 29 possessions and kicks a goal. The run and carry just scorched them. And their defence is built, isn't it, on that dirty ball. It comes in under pressure, mm. comes in messy, so Grimes and Vloston can intercept market. Well, well, that's not happening at the moment because they're getting murdered on the outside. So they're not having the same influence either. I just wonder, have they overvalued some of those guys a little bit? And I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't necessarily believe this, but the Rosses of the world who had to play the pickets, the stacks, have they... Is there a danger they've overestimated those guys? If there's an attritional aspect to the season, I think there will be because they're going to play 20 straight weeks. If they can find themselves any position towards the end, they'll be one of the teams who will be holding it together physically when I think other teams will, will get the stitch late in. Mm. I think it'll be a cruel season, not a short season by the end. So they just have to keep themselves a position. They've got six points on the 40 winks ladder, six of a possible 12. Save up to 50% of the 40 winks stock take sale. You're on crunch time for Cleanaway, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91